Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Debo and I talk a lot. We're good, and we understand our role. It's, I know there's a lot of noise for five months and tweets, and a lot of people are repeating what someone said and repeating, repeating, repeating. There's a lot of negotiations going on. There's a lot of money involved. It's a big business deal. But besides everything else, we're good. Jimmy Garoppolo's hanging out in the weight room. It's cool that Debo Samuel's hanging around on the sideline, not practicing, deal not done, bag not secured. The 49ers just very comfortable with what would make a lot of franchises uncomfortable. Good vibes at SAP Performance Center right now, for sure. The vibes are really strong. They can go sideways really quickly. Like, don't get it twisted. They could go sideways for sure. But, no, I think you're right. I think that the Debo negotiations sound like normal negotiations. They got to it late, but I don't I don't see any reason to think that, that... Now, Debo does have a little bit of leverage here now because of what we've just talked about with Lance. Like, if the Niners are going to be as good as they were last year, they're going to need, you know, X amount from Lance. But if Debo's not on the field, they're not going to be as good as they were last year offensively. So he knows, and he Fact. knows that. He knows they need him. And he they knows know they, they need him. him. Well, here's here's the thing though. Trey Lance needs him. Yes. And, and immediately yes. Trey Lance, even a practice, becomes better when Debo Samuel gets on the field. So there's that element to you want to get him out there. And I don't know where you are on this, and we're just we're starting the conversation here, but. Like to me, Debo doesn't need to be practicing. Like other than that, you want Trey Lance and him to be on the same page, and that's all. And, and Grant, that's a big part. But like Debo in a vacuum doesn't need to practice. He knows his role. He's very good at it. It may be changing a little bit. Like Debo on his own, like he could show up August twenty second, and I would be fine with that. The rat on the table, though, and the elephant in the room is you want. 5 and 19 to be getting on the same page. Yes, that's that's the big deal. I'm I'm searching for your rat right here that you just threw on that's the table. That's all right. Yeah. Um no, I I think uh here we go. Um Appreciate it. no, I <laughs> I think that the you said it, getting them on the same page. And maybe him arriving on August 22nd. I'm picking the date you threw out. That's not like a significant date. It's just the date you picked. So I'm going to go with it. 
If he shows up on August 22nd, I think one of the things that's going to make Lance different and what can help him in this offense is those off-schedule plays. He gets to the top of his drop. First read's not there. Second read's not there. Oh, here comes the rush. He's bailing out. Receivers have to break off their routes. And yet that's something that Russell Wilson was always very good at with his receivers. When Russell Wilson was in a scramble drill, his receivers always found a way to get open. Whether it was down the field, whether it was along the sideline that he's running to, they found an opening. That's something that I think Brandon Ayuk is going to need to be very good at. Debo Samuel is going to need to be very good at. And the only way that you get that chemistry and you get on that page together is if you were on the field practicing. And that's where I think Debo needs to get back. He's there conditioning, and I'm with you. He's going to be fine. But I think if they're going to really maximize their 2022, Samuel and and Lance have to be on the same page when it comes to those off-schedule plays whether he wants him to go deep, whether he wants to come back to the ball, go to the sideline, whatever it is, they need to make sure that they both know what they're doing in those situations. All right, more on the Debo contract and, and maybe what some of the numbers could potentially look like in just a moment. 888-957-9570. Let's get to Rick in Stockton, though, on the phone lines here in hour number two. What's going on, Rick? Hey, what's going on, fellas? Y'all doing a good job, bro. like it. Hey, uh, but... I mean, I feel like we're gonna we're gonna miss what Jimmy was good at because I mean that's what our offense was. At, but the limitations, the limitations of Jimmy, what made us lose because he was limited, one dimensional. We're not gonna miss. Hey, Lance is gonna come in and he's gonna be able to like he might miss on some of those passes that Jimmy was good at, but I feel like he's gonna hit on some too. So. The drop-off shouldn't be too much. I feel like we should make the playoffs. And, you know, once you get in the playoffs, I mean, it's any, it's any anybody can do it. Look at the Bengals. They, nobody thought they would be in the Super Bowl. Thanks for the call. And, look, yep. the Bengals won their division. They had a home playoff game. They made a run. I mean, there's, there's the ba- a little different. Like, like the Bengals were not some, some eight and nine seven seed that, that made a run. They were, they were a good football team. They also needed a goal line stand to beat the Raiders at home, and they needed three Ryan Tannehill interceptions to overcome nine Joe Burrow sacks against the one seed Titans. Yeah, they're, but they're you know they weren't some plucky underdog. No, they really sure. weren't. Like they, they were, were a good, good football team with a quarterback that that was on the come in a big time way. And, mm-hmm. and look, the Niners will miss some of Jimmy Garoppolo. It, it's a mat- and and Trey Lance will miss some of the throws that Jimmy Garoppolo was good at. It, the the key is can it be offset? Can he offset it with being more dynamic? And can the Forty ers offset it by being extremely talented in enough other ways to where his misses aren't costing you football games? Because the the narrative the narrative was that Jimmy Garoppolo was the biggest thing holding the Forty ers back, and I think that was a little, I think that became a little skewed essentially from the moment that they didn't win the Super Bowl back in February 2nd of 2020. Yes. And it never it was never fixed from that point forward. Yeah, I mean, he didn't but that was the thing is there was this leap that he was expected to take that he never took. And I think that was also part of the part of the issue. And it started getting skewed honestly, it started getting skewed in the Vikings game when they shut down the passing game after he threw the interception to Lance Kendricks. And then through eight passes in their next playoff That's game. That's true. I think that also skewed it. And then his performance in the Super Bowl, 
I, I, and then he didn't take a lead. Like, so many things got kind of stacked against him. A lot of things did. And then COVID, and he was injured, and, mm-hmm. and I, I still maintain that, that – and look, Kyle Shanahan, I think, came around on it, but I still maintain that, that Kyle Shanahan was infuriated by the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo didn't make a stronger attempt to come back in the COVID year because I think Shanahan believed had he, that team would have been able to eke into the playoffs a lot like – the 21 team was able mm-hmm. to, to eke into the playoffs. And and so I, I don't know, maybe we'll never know. And look, Kyle did a good job. And I think Kyle does a great job of coming off as, as cool and, and fine with everything. And it ro- rolls off his back and it, yeah, he's chill about it all. When I think he's the kind of guy that has to get it out of his system and maybe is pissed off for a little while and then, and then cleans it up and can come to a, come to a, a, a relatable fake ability. I know I'm making up sure. a word there, but it's like he's, he can kind of relatably fake it at, yeah. at, at a certain point. And I, I think he did that a little bit. I think he likes Jimmy, but I think Jimmy really pissed him off in that 2020 season by not pushing harder to come back. I would buy that for sure. And the injury aspect of this goes overlooked a lot. Like the Niners, but part of the reason they moved on from Garoppolo is because he couldn't stay on the field. And he got hurt last year against the Titans, and then he got hurt in the wild card round against the Cowboys. And that injury that he suffered against the Cowboys, A, might have held them back in the playoffs, and B, uh, made it so they couldn't trade him this offseason. And so I think that's a big key to this as we talk about what's the Niners offense going to look like as, as national talking heads say, oh, it's better for them this year if they go with Garoppolo. That's the that's the the rat on the table that does not get addressed often enough. Thank you. That does not get addressed often enough is the fact that they are moving on in part because he couldn't stay on the field. That's a big part of it. Mm-hmm. I think that's a I think that's you couldn't have every other year as had been the case being wrecked by injury and oh by the way this is an even numbered year so I mean 18 got wrecked 20 got wrecked it's 22 like Jimmy was pretty good in the odd years Mm -hmm. in terms of you know getting to the super yeah even the even the 17 year five and oh when he he finally took over 13 and three and 19 last year he makes a run so does he 28 and 10 in odd years it's the yeah you do the math I I don't have the exact (laughs) math on that but it's better than the even years and and as uh 28 and 10 he, he he has the best ability, right? Availability in the in the odd years for for whatever reason. Uh, let's get into the Debo stuff. C- a couple of text messages first, and we'll get into the Debo contract numbers and and how DK Metcalf being signed on on Thursday relates to maybe what the numbers will be for Debo Samuel. Five one zero Comcast Business text line disagreeing. Coming down my road on Debo, he needs to be out there now. Uh, another question about the O-line. Does the O-line scare you? Uh, I mean, short answer is yes, the O-line scares me. And then uh, the 6-2-8, having a little fun. Dickinson and Madsen will lead the media charge for Shanahan's job and Lance to be traded yep. if they don't make the playoffs. Uh, and Lance is well, uh, underwhelming, according to my uh, 95-7 insiders. Yeah. So somebody's, no, we're playing somebody's that got behind the scenes. Yeah, we, stay, we sit in a big conference room and we say okay if they don't make the playoffs who's leading the charge to fire everybody and jd and i hands up we're ready to go get shanahan out of here if they miss the playoffs and wrong team wrong team there's only there's only one coach or manager that that 
should that their franchise would be better off if he was not oh, around. Oh snap! And I think we already. I think we know who that is. The Mark uh, Kotze. Oh, that's, no, different. Yeah. <laughs> exactly right. It's the guy with. It's the front. You you want to talk about a front runner with nothing in the tank and no answers when <laughs> oh, when the no. spreadsheet doesn't work. Yeah, the chickens are coming home to roost on that one. <laughs> All of a sudden, all of a sudden, it's not a. All of a sudden, the process and oh, all these processes we go through, and the eighteen million coaches, and all all that. All of a sudden, you know, pinch hitting for Jock Peterson, and like, all of a sudden, none of that. I, I'm going to stop, Kyle, because we're talking Forty ers But it, it's funny. All of a sudden, a couple of those spreadsheet moves don't pan out, and the guy isn't a freaking genius anymore. Stunning. It's crazy Get how that Kepler. works. Gabe Cat. It, it's a lot less cute when you're 49 and 51. I'll say that. <laughs> His quirky awkwardness. Hey, Will Clark used to be my landlord. Aren't I cool? This is all weird. Like all that stuff is is cute and fun when you're winning two out of every three games for an entire season. Right. Right. I digress. Big night at Oracle Park tonight, though. Will Clark jersey retirement. Huge. Of, you know, they need to double you back. Fans of a certain age, and I fall into this category, I, I would say anybody, and, and it, go, it goes beyond this age, obviously, but I, I would say anybody that was a Giants fan that's maybe between the age of about 35 and 45, like Will Clark was your guy. Right. Like Will, Will, like Will Clark was your like favorite, like like I'll just say this, and we'll get back into the Niners. Quick little tangent, because I did want to make sure we got to this, because the the Giants are retiring Will Clark's jersey tonight right. against the Cubs. Good old number twenty two, and so like like little known fact, eight year old JD dressed up as Will Clark for Halloween. Oh, that's like, incredible! Eight, like eight year old JD had the eye black and the and the scowl and the and like the full blown uniform. Like eight year old JD wanted to be Will Clark. Yeah, that's fair, and that's a fair thing to do. Will Clark's one of those guys that I think Alex Smith is going to kind of fall in this in this category too. Like, there's going to be there's going to be a portion of 49er fans in in 30 years that are just like, yeah, Alex Smith was my guy, and people are going to look up Alex Smith and go, really? Like that was your guy? And that's a in my brain. I know in my know. brain for for a long time. No, no, no. But I get it because it's not just you. It's every Giants fan I know. Like you said, between thirty five and forty five, they're like, Will Clark could kick my dog, and I would thank him. Like it's that that level of adoration. And then you go and in my brain for a long time, I'd never really looked it up in my brain because I knew so many Giants fans who were just all big. On, in my head, Will Clark was a Giant for like twenty years. I was like, man, he was just around. He's and then you go look, and he was here for like not even a decade. I think it was eight years, seven, eight years. Yeah, it was eighty-six to ninety-three. Yeah, so he's here for eight seasons, and it's like, man, he played for for a couple other teams. Like, I don't. But I think Alex Smith is going to kind of be the same way, in just in terms of there's an attachment there to a certain segment of the fan base that just nobody's going to quite ever like fully understand. Yeah, and and long overdue uh, the jersey retirement. Oh I know for, for a lot of lot of Giants fans, and the Giants forever had the had the unwritten rule that you had to be a Hall of Famer to get your jersey retired, and so they broke that with Bonds, who obviously should be in the Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. uh, but we're not going to go down that road either. But they broke it a couple of years back with Bonds, and they put twenty five up there, 
and now, yeah, Will and and the twenty two will be will be uh, put up in the left field corner with all the other numbers. I'm super interested to see what happens because with the 49ers and talking about retired numbers, they have a ton of retired numbers, and you have like a finite amount of numbers that you can use on an NFL roster. And so Jed York's talked about maybe like temporarily retiring some or bringing some out of retirement, honoring those players in a different way, whatever it is. I'm fascinated to see because Frank Gore's jersey is de facto retired. Nobody's worn 21 since he left. And do they retire his number? Do they retire Joe Staley's number? Like, I'm really interested to see what they do with those two players specifically. These guys who didn't win a Super Bowl, neither of them are in the Hall of Fame yet. I I think Gore gets there. I'm not sure Staley will, but um, I'm really interested to see if they wind up either full-blown retiring those numbers or just being like, hey, you're going to have to be really, really special to get one of these numbers, or if it's like an honor to wear... I don't know what they're going to do, but it's something I'm keeping a very close eye on. I shouldn't care about it, but I care about it a lot. Well, Spencer Burford, the uh, <laughs> Spencer Burford's been wearing 74, yeah. and that's a little weird. Yeah, the, the, the uh, rookie that's been playing, he's been getting the, the bulk of the right guard snaps uh, as the 49ers try and shuffle their their offensive line. Seeing him out there wearing 74 has been strange. Yeah, when I was when I was flipping through pictures on the on the USA Today image site. Seeing 74 and it not being Joe Staley was jo- like, I'm like, am I in the wrong year? No, that's definitely not Joe Staley. Right. What is this? <laughs> it was it was very, very strange. Well, and yeah, the 650 coming down your road here on, on the Comcast Business text line. I hate the Giants, but shame on you for putting the thrill in the same sentence as Alex Smith. Blasphemous. <laughs> it's not it's not to compare the two. Like it's not it, that's not it's the it's the fan base attachment to them. Like there, there are people, bit, yeah. I have friends who are like Alex Smith could be the Niners starter today and make them Super Bowl winners. Like what? Like well, that's crazy. There's a likability to I think Alex Smith's professionalism and mm-hmm. and really being as maligned as he was, being the number one overall pick, and 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 just he never he never really did a thing from '05 until Jim Harbaugh came around in, in 2011. In some ways, it was remarkable he was still even on the team in 2011. He wouldn't have been recall, without the lockout. Yeah, well, and if you recall, it was, it was all Harbaugh's coming in, and, and that's it. Like, that's going to be bye, bye-bye for, for Alex Smith. And then, yeah, Harbaugh keeps him around, and the lockout, and they draft Kaepernick, and, and we know how that ultimately played out. But I think there was a, you know, Alex Smith, good guy, professional, work, you know, kept grinding, ended up making a career, even though he didn't have a, a good mm-hmm. year, really, until what? Year seven, yeah, and, and even those, even that twenty eleven year with the Niners was, I mean, he was, he was a lot better in Kansas City mm-hmm. a couple of years down the line than he even was in the year and a half that he was pretty good for the Niners, and it was really only a year and a half that he was good for the Niners. Like people forget that, like it was, it was eleven, and they made it to the NFC half Championship game, and then it was half a twelve before Kaepernick took over when he got hurt. Yeah, Will Clark is a far better player career-wise than Alex Smith was. Like well, I'm not I was and, not and, comparing them as players at all. And here's the other thing. Like Will Clark had a Will Clark had a swag. There was a swag and a bravado and a swing. Hey, I hey, I come up and I hit a home run off of Nolan Ryan, like mm-hmm. boom, like immediately. And you know, the, the culture changed too with with going back to the mid-80s. I mean, I was real real young here and I actually 
this predates me, but they were a hundred loss team, and then he came up with the with the Robbie Thompsons and some other guys, and all of a sudden they were they were pretty good for a few years. You know, from '86 until you know '89, '90 when they mm-hmm. when they lost to the A's in the in the World Series in '89, and but but he was you know clutch, and you know the league they're they're doing this tonight against the Cubs. Why? Because he was the NLCS MVP and hit. I think six sixty seven against the Cubs in the in the league championship series and hit a grand slam off of Greg Maddox and had the game winning single in, in game five to clinch the first pennant and at that point twenty seven years. Like that's it like when the Giants won won the pennant in eighty nine and lost to the A's, they hadn't won a pennant in tw- since sixty two. So yeah. think about that in the context of you know, and the, the A's are actually going through this now, right? The A's last won a pennant in in ninety, and now it's been what thirty, thirty two years. Mm-hmm. So at that, I mean, it, my it, entire like, life. <laughs> yeah, and and so it would be. So I think for for those that are even in the older age, like Will Clark, exemplified a, a lot of a lot of demons, a lot of bad Giants teams, a lot of Giants teams that couldn't get over the hump, finally to a certain extent at least getting over the hump to where they were they were in a World Series again. And he was, for, for the time and what baseball was, he was really cool. Like you said, the swagger that he carried himself with, he wasn't just another crusty baseball. Like he was, he was as the, as the youths say, he was built different, J.D. Yeah, it was, it was the, I mean, he had the, the pop-up slide and, and just his yeah the the mannerisms the the sweet looking left handed swing he he would kind of he would kind of eyeball a home run I think more than more than people think but then put his head down and and, and run mm-hmm. like he was yeah he just the eye black like that was just it was you're right for that time and era he was he was cool he was he was the thrill yeah so I I, I didn't I didn't mean to blaspheme Will Clark by bringing up Alex Smith I was trying to talk about fan attachment. Yeah, so big, big night at big night at Oracle Park. They're doing it against the Cubs. It's you know I, I went back and watched some '89 LCS just to get a little a little nostalgic, uh, you know, in, in the lead up to this and some of the some of the big hits that he had in that series. Uh, just just tremendous tremendous stuff. Uh, let, let's get back into Debo and and the 49ers and the contract. And I know we're up against it a little bit. We can set the table here in the in the next two or three minutes. DK Metcalf signs. Uh, DK Metcalf, his deal, three years and seventy-two million uh, agreed to on Thursday. So that's an average of twenty-four million per year. Fifty-eight point two of the seventy-two guaranteed. And so now, and I've got the list of all of these guys: Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams and. McLaren and AJ Brown and Metcalf and now Debo will will figure out where he fits into this. But just the initial thoughts on the timeline, Kyle. We'll get into some of the minutia on the other side, but just the timeline for how the DK Metcalf deal now leads toward maybe Debo's deal getting done a little bit sooner. Yeah, I definitely think it can it can catalyze that deal, but I'm not a hundred percent sure if the numbers for that deal are going to affect negotiations at, at all. Just kind of the more I think about it. What, and same agent in, mm-hmm. involved in, in both of these. Uh, and I, I guess we'll, we'll save it there. We'll, we'll come back and, and get into some of the details because I, I look at not only DK Metcalf, but I look at 
at AJ Brown. I, I look at even Stephon Diggs and Cooper Cup and and some of these other big time receivers that are in a different category than even Debo. I look at their numbers, and then I it it becomes a it just becomes crystal clear for me as far as Debo goes. But I'm going to run it by you, and and I basically want you to tell me if if I'm crazy. Uh, oh, <laughs> coming back here as far as the the numbers that that Debo should get because I think there is. I think I'm going to come off as maybe a little bit more Debo friendly in in my in my assessment of this than interesting, and I think it it also relates to where the 49ers potentially are with regard to where the negotiations sit and why maybe things are not done already. So we'll get into that. Eight 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 nine five seven nine five seven zero. John Dickinson, Kyle Matson, ninety five seven. The game. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Now back to 95.7 The Game. Rolling along here on a Saturday, John Dickinson and Kyle Madsen, 888-957-9570. The phone number to participate in the program. You can give us a call or shoot us a text at that number. Talking a lot of 49ers today. Uh, Talking now about Debo Samuel, Kyle. Uh, Let's let's cut to the chase. So DK Metcalf gets his contract, and I I wanted to run this by you. Three years and, and $72 million. $58.2 $58.2 million guaranteed for, for DK Metcalf, who as a wide receiver at least has been more productive and more durable 
than than Debo Samuel has been o- over the last three years since since Debo Samuel came into the league since they both came into the league. Uh, but I, I was looking at some of the numbers in terms of guaranteed money specifically. So I don't want to get too lost in this and too convoluted. But I'm I'm looking at I'm looking at Tyreek Hill. Uh, Debo not in the category of Tyreek Hill or Devontae Adams, but uh, 72.2 million guaranteed for Tyreek Hill, 65.7 guaranteed for Devontae Adams, Cooper Cup, 75 million guaranteed, Uh, Stephon Diggs, 70 million guaranteed. Then you get into this this next tier, I would say, AJ Brown, 57.2, DK Metcalf, 58.2. Uh, McLaren, 53, and I look at Debo, and if I'm Debo, it's got to be around 60. It's got to be, it's like I'm wanting more than DK Metcalf and, and A.J. Brown for not only what I've done, but, but for what I project to be over the course of, of, of the next three years. I know the Niners probably want a longer-term deal, then Debo may want just to be able to spread some of the, the guarantees out for salary cap purposes. I, I understand that. But what I wanted to ask you is, am I crazy to think Debo Samuel should get $60 million guaranteed? Uh, this has two parts to it. <laughs> um, are you crazy for thinking he should? I, I mean, maybe, yes. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. I think that's probably what he's going to wind up getting. So I think that's probably a safe bet because he's not going to let DK go get 58 guaranteed and then AJ Brown get 56.4 guaranteed or whatever it was. But I don't think he's going to take less than that. So I think you're right in thinking he will get 60. But if I'm the 49ers, I'm looking at, you said it, AJ Brown, DK Metcalf, Terry McLaurin, his fellow 2019 draft mates, They've they've all been they've all played more games than him. They've all put up better receiving numbers than him. And you want to if you want to say all purpose yards that's great, but if Debo wants to wants to push away some of his rushing responsibilities, I think it becomes harder to factor those numbers in, just like the raw the raw numbers into the all purpose yards equation. But on the other hand, the reason the 49ers are going to pay him and the Niners are going to come to the table and say, look, these guys got this. You've been less productive, so you're going to get that. But Debo's going to go, you need me. You need you have a first-time starting quarterback who's going to need all the help he can get. I am the best receiver in the league after the catch. I can make plays down the field. He showed that last year. Like They're, they're paying him for production to be more than production that's already happened. And that's why I think the Niners are eventually going to have to get to 60 guaranteed if that's what he wants. Well, and, and I, I think all of the points you raise, and I think the question is fair to, to say, you know, Debo wants to get paid for doing both, being the, being the wide back, right? Mm-hmm. But then not do both also, which I think is, is also, to me, that's where, like, I, hey, I don't want to do that anymore, but you're going to pay me at a level like I am doing it because... Mm-hmm. You've already maybe taken some some time off the back end because I did it at the level that I did it in the second half of the playoffs in in two thousand and twenty one. It's it really is a unique. He's a unique player. It's a unique negotiation because the like the eye test and the names 
when you lay him out, it's like, if I were him, I'd want more than that guy. And so it's it's hard for me to kind of it's hard for me to see. And that, look, the Niners drive a hard bargain, and and maybe maybe the guaranteed number is not sixty, but it's it's a deal where he's going to earn at least that much or more over the course of the three years if he plays out the contract and there isn't some kind of injury to where he, he becomes cuttable? Because these are all essentially three-year contracts to begin right. with. The, the, anything beyond that is is kind of a beauty pageant number is the way I like to put it. Yeah, and that's that's where I'm I'm really interested because the reporting on this from Ian Rappaport, he's been all over it. He talks about how Samuel wants his role to change because he's not worried about this contract. He wants another payday down the road. But... If he signs a three-year deal, he's going to be hitting free agency again in 2026 when he's 30. So that's going to be—he's he's going to be 30. He's going to hit, potentially get—there's injury risk in there where he may hit after three years. And this was my thing along, for, for a long time. He's going to go three-year deal because he wants to hit free agency again when he's, when he's 30 and get a second. But the more I think about it, the more I think, man, maybe he'll take more guaranteed— and go with that longer deal that gets him some more money, and then maybe just in case he doesn't get that second bite at the apple, he still got paid more up front. So longer deal meaning what? Maybe maybe five and five and what would that be? Five and a hundred something. Yeah. I mean, what yeah, is that? Then, what? But but then you have to obviously five. You got to guarantee more. But you got to guarantee more. Yeah, so maybe it's maybe it's five and I'm 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 throwing numbers out. Maybe it's five and one twenty. Is that twenty four a year? Five uh, and one twenty. Yeah, five, yeah, five and one twenty five would be yeah twenty five. So yeah. So yeah. five. So so call it five and one twenty, and maybe they go to like sixty five or seventy guaranteed. Mm. And that's, again, big numbers, but like you said, it's still for the 49ers probably a three-year deal because they'll structure it where they can get out from under it after three years and or, or get out from under it for relatively cheap after three years. Or it puts him in a position where he's locked in, and if he's really good and he's going 13, 14, 1,500 yards receiving over the next three years, they can they, they have him under contract and they can extend him if they want. So I, 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 that's my, I have no idea. And if I'm Debo, I think that's a really tough decision. If it's like, man, do I want to bet on myself and hit free agency again in three years? Or am I good taking this five-year deal that might lock me in, but I'm getting a little bit more on the front end? If I'm if I'm Debo, and hell, if I'm the 49ers to this point, but if I'm Debo, I'm thinking, just based on the way the last three years have gone, I need to get as much as I can right now. <laughs> Yeah, I, I really would. I would mm-hmm. be thinking that, and just based on, and not not necessarily the age as much as just the fact that the way the Forty ers have used him, and and look, once you put pen to paper, I mean the the Niners are gonna Niners are gonna use him however they see fit. Uh, to me, it's just look, Debo wants the ball, he wants to win, and I don't think it's gonna be like it was last year, but but ultimately. I think if if Debo gets paid the rate that he feels he deserves, he would be okay maybe being used, I think, 
if push came to shove in a similar manner than he, than he did last year. Again, as long as he's getting paid for it. But if he's getting paid for it, it's going to shorten his career on the back end. So it just like bottom line for me, if I'm Debo, I'm worried about breaking down and borderline being done maybe in three years. Yeah, well, and that's okay. So that's the other thing with this is that wide back thing. That was more born out of necessity than anything. I don't think the 49ers want to rack up the miles on his body like that. He's too good of a player. He's too effective of a receiver. Before the whole wide back thing last year, he was going to have a thousand yak yards. Like he was going to go over a thousand yards just after the catch. He is so uniquely talented. Remove the rushing upside out of the equation. He's still Although a lot of his receiving talented. yards are rush a lot of his receiving yards could be construed as rushing yards though too. Yeah, those little those those little shovel passes and the and the screens for sure. Like I, I totally get that, but it's the it's the run into the middle of the line where he's hitting defensive linemen and linebackers are getting to come downhill on him. So I I, I, I the the point I'm making though is he had 59 carries last year for 365 yards and eight touchdowns. The reason that jumps out is because of those 59 carries, 53 of them came in the last eight games. He's averaging just under seven carries a game. I think if he goes, he can have that same rushing production, but if you're spreading those 59 carries out over 17 games, where he's going three here, four there, maybe he has a game where he only has one, maybe there's a game where it's five, and it's different stuff. It's end-arounds. It's, it's things that aren't just slamming him into the line where he's taking those really punishing car accident type of shots, I think they can find a medium where they're still maximizing his skill set while not potentially damaging his his longevity in the process. What do you think the right number is for a season? You mentioned the 59 a year ago, but what's the, what's the right number as far as you know, more spread out over the course of a, of a season, is it? Would it be fifty? Is it? Is it forty? I mean, what's what's the right number? Is it? Is it three four a game? Uh, you know, what what what's the right number? I think it's probably in like the forty range because if you're going to use him effectively, you can't do it a lot, and I think that's where you have to get creative with it, and it can't be, hey, Debo's in the backfield, it's going to be a run to Debo. Like I, I think that that can't be the case anymore. I think it has to be on jet motions. I think it has to be as part of u- utilizing Lance's legs where he's in the pistol with a back behind him and Debo's coming across. He takes a snap. Okay, now it's a read. Maybe he hands it to Debo. Maybe he doesn't. That's why I think it's somewhere between like 40 and 50 where they're utilizing it. Maybe they utilize it in a short yardage situation here and there. Maybe they give him a, just you know a straight stretch handoff after an interception because they think they can create a big play out of it. Maybe they do, maybe they do that. But I really think that between 40 and 50 where they're getting some usage out of it but not running him into the ground, not using it too much where defenses can key on it. I think that's that's probably a good number. It also goes back to something that we discussed in the first hour, which is the 49ers believe that they're a lot more loaded offensively than they've than they've been in in maybe any other year that that Kyle Shanahan has been here you look at the the running back depth they shouldn't have to use Debo Samuel as a a between the tackles get hammered kind of a guy because they have Elijah Mitchell and they have 
Jeff Wilson and Hasty and Sermon and and Davis Price and you know, they they have they have options. I mean, Kyle Shannon always wants to have four, five, six, eight running backs. Well, mm-hmm. well, he's got it, and I'm sure a couple of them will get hurt because a couple of them always get hurt. But that's why you have as many as you have. I think Davis Price is kind of the key here. If he's good and not just a because they struggled in short yardage situations last year. And they didn't really have a, a go-to short yardage guy. You'd think it's Jeff Wilson, but they didn't. It was weird when Elijah Mitchell was healthy. Jeff Wilson was persona non grata offensively. So I think Ty Davis Price is really the key here because if he can be more than a short yardage and goal line back, where they feel comfortable giving him eight, ten, eleven carries a game, I think that's where a you're taking some of the load off Mitchell, but b you're taking some of the onus off Debo Samuel to create yards in the run game. So. I don't know. I don't know if they they don't trust Jeff Wilson or or just think he's kind of maxed out what he's going to do for them. I don't think Jamichael Hasty's that player. We'll see with Trey Sermon, but but Davis Price is the guy that when you talk about Debo Samuel and kind of taking some things off his plate, I think Ty Davis Price is the one who's going to really be able to do that. Do all five of those guys make the team? No. That I. I mean, is is that even possible? That's way. That's too many running backs. I, I think, and that's. Yeah, I mean, four a lot of times is too many. Plus, and then we're also. I mean, plus you got Usechek who's going to make the team as a, as a fullback, right? I mean, that's. You can't have all five of those guys, right? No, I think I think it's going to come down to if Mitchell's making the team. Mitchell's a lock. Davis Price is a lock, and then one or two other guys, depending on like Hasty can play special teams. Jeff Wilson can play some special teams which may help them. Hasty got a ton of work as a third down back last year. But then Trey Sermon was a third-round pick last year. Like, are you going to punt on that guy in year two? Like, that's that's where I think they keep – I think they wind up keeping four. When I've been kind of penciling out what a 53-man roster might look like, you can you can do four running backs and, and do so and feel okay about it, I think. So they, they're going to be looking to make a trade, I think, because with one of these guys, if if they can. I mean, obviously not Mitchell and, and well, how much value does Sermon really have? Yeah, and that's, that's you're what's not, in you're not, you're not You're not tra- you're not trading Davis Price, obviously, because you just got him. If he, has a great, but, if he has a great preseason, I mean, maybe somebody gives you a sixth-round pick for Trey Sermon. Mm-hmm. Or maybe someone gives you a future late pick for Jeff Wilson. Like, I, I mean, stuff like that. Stuff like that happens all the time. They traded a guy named Jonas Griffith, an undrafted linebacker, last year to the to the Broncos for uh, a pick and a late pick swap. I think so. Um, it could definitely happen, and I think that could happen in multiple positions. As we talk about how deep this roster is, it wouldn't surprise me if they could if they were able to unload a defensive end. Wouldn't surprise me if they could unload a tight end. Like I, I think that they have they have options here. Yeah, options to build up uh, some some back end draft capital, uh, and the like. Uh, when you look at the timeline on Debo's deal, I know we talked about it a little bit earlier. You're more inclined to, hey, get him in now. I don't think it matters as much. The, the chemistry with, with Debo and Trey Lance is is obviously important. It doesn't sound from the cut that we played of Kyle Shanahan from, from this morning like he's too concerned about it at this point. But, but ultimately – what do you think the timeline is for for when this when this thing gets done and Debo's Debo's there participating? I think he is there by mid August. I think they get a preseason game in. 
I think that at that point they will the open portions of camp will be over. They'll have a couple weeks left. The ramp up for the regular season will really start. That's when I think he gets in. He can get his conditioning work in for now. They go, they prep for their first preseason game, and and at some point after that, I think they I think they get it done. So after before or after the because it, it is a unique schedule with the the Packers game, which is what two weeks from yesterday, mm-hmm. and then. They they basically go they go to Minnesota after that for the for the joint practices. So you, you think he's there for the joint practices? Yeah. yeah. Okay. It allows him it's to skip debut. the early part of camp. He doesn't have to do the padless practices. He can just do his stuff off to the side. Doesn't get in the early portion of, of padded practices, but then he can get on a plane and go hit somebody. All right. So Pat, yeah, Packers game, and then probably a couple of days off, and then they're having a practice. They're going to Minnesota. They're having mm-hmm. a couple of practices. They're they're taking on Minnesota. And then, yeah, short week. They play a Thursday night. Their third preseason game is on Thursday night in Houston. Yeah, back-to-back uh, road games with, is it Saturday to Thursday? It's Saturday to Thursday. Yeah. So you're, you're basically, oh. you're playing that game Saturday, and you know, you're coming back, you're taking Sunday off, you're probably going Monday, Tuesday, and then, and then flying Tuesday Man. at that point. And then, yeah, you're playing. And then, and then you've got two and a half weeks you got two and a half weeks from that point, so you till you end up flying to Chicago. So you get back what that Friday the twenty sixth, and then you're you're two weeks and two days basically away from from the opener. So you get a nice little break after that, but but yeah, that's uh, that's kind of a tough stretch for a for a training camp with the lead up and the first game, and then the travel, yeah. and then you're back real quick, and then you're traveling again. And and then you, you you do get a couple of weeks to settle in, but, that, but that's tough. You're back that Friday the 26th. Final cuts are Tuesday the 30th. There's a lot going on in those few days. Yeah, no, there's there's a lot going on for sure. And then and then you're ramping. I know. I think players have to get some some semblance of of some time off over that Labor Day weekend. I think they. I think I think teams have to give two or maybe even three days off, almost like a little mini. Right. They have to get like a little mini break before yeah. before the ramp up to the to the first week as as part of some of the new uh, CBA stuff. So all right, so you so you've got this thing getting done after Mid-August. the first preseason game. Yeah, yeah, it sounds that that sounds right. I'm looking at days here. First preseason game is that Friday. They'll be back Saturday, um, Sunday. They'll take a day and then they'll hammer it out Monday the fifteenth. It's my birthday, August fifteenth. Yeah. Man dibs. Nice. Birthday. Oh, birthday. that's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. So that's that right. that's when I think that's when I think it gets done. That Monday once they're back in the building after their first uh I said they're back. I mean they will be in the building that Saturday, um, the day after the game. They'll probably get the day off Sunday and then like I said, back in the building Monday. Eight at eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. John Dickinson and Kyle Madsen here on a Saturday. We're with you until one o'clock. Uh, that is the phone number to participate in the program. Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero as uh, we're talking some 49ers we're talking some Debo Samuel what uh, is the timeline for him getting into camp getting signed and what is the right amount of money for for Debo Samuel 
does he need to be in camp immediately? I know a lot of 49er fans would probably tell you, yeah, he needs to be there, and there is uh, an impetus on the 49ers to get this thing done uh, and get it done quickly because Trey Lance and the success level that, that he's able to have is, is going to be contingent on you know, continuing to build chemistry with Debo and, and just Debo as, as such a dynamic player in so many different ways, uh, making life a little bit easier for him. As far as the wide receiver group goes, this is another spot where I think you could make the case, and I, I think you know, Debo is a big part of this. I think Ayuk continuing to level mm-hmm. up is a big part of this. Juwan Jennings looked like he was going to be a complete non-factor, and now he is somebody that is a pretty good player and seemingly fits the the Shanahan system very well. Like He really helped them at the end of last year and now is almost entrenched. And then you've got Ray Ray McLeod and and Danny Gray is is the the guy that I think a lot of people are going to be looking at as the the speedster uh, that the 49ers want to get in the fold. Juwan Jennings being the like firm wide receiver three, if you'd told me, so they drafted him in 2020. He's seventh-round pick from Tennessee. I think he ran like a 4-7-1-40, like just an undraftable type of 40. But super competitive, good after the catch. And that's why the Niners brought him in. He gets, he's on the practice squad. He gets hurt in 2020. If you'd told me that by training camp 2022, Juwan Jennings was like their third receiver firmly, it would be like, what happened to Debo? And did Brandon Ayuk flame out? Like what? What's ha- like what's happening with the receiving core that this guy is so important? But he's good. He's just a really good player. Like he blocks his ass off. He doesn't have a ton of speed, but he. Kyle Shanahan said earlier in this offseason that he's their best receiver at getting separation, which matters a lot. <laughs> so I, I, I think Juwan Jennings is is very firmly their third receiver and going to have a productive year. Yeah, he's he's entrenched and and really helps him. And I think, you know, Ayuk. I, I thought last year could be a, a nice jump for Ayuk, and then he got caught in the doghouse early. Fortunately for him and for the Niners, he was able to claw his way out of the Shanahan doghouse as as the season went on and and become productive. It's early. It's a couple of days. It's non pads, but he looks like he's primed to level up and and maybe have somewhat of a breakout year uh coming back i'm sorry what, who was that uh Ayuk. yes sorry i was i zoned yeah totally space for a second nope um, yeah, no problem yeah no i think so people will hit me up a lot and be like hey fantasy advice for the niners what do you got and i'm like i got nothing man like <laughs> but the one the one i give them all the time is brandon Ayuk. Because I think he is going to have a monster year. The fact that he has been hanging out with Trey Lance. The fact that they have been developing that chemistry. And I talk about those off-schedule plays. I think that's something where Brandon Ayuk's explosiveness is really going to matter. Where he needs to very quickly change direction and get away from a defensive back. That's going to matter a lot, I think. And it wouldn't surprise me if Brandon Ayuk leads the team in receiving this year. Like, it just would not shock me at all if he has one of those 12, 1,300-yard, 6, 7-touchdown years. I think that's where the smart money would be yeah. on him because Debo you – know, look, teams are going to try and take Debo away. We haven't even mentioned George Kittle yet. I mean, between the running back depth and Ayuk being a level better and Debo in the fold and a couple of more guys that can that can stretch the field, 
than, than maybe the 49ers have had in, in recent years. And then you've got Kittle in the mix. Like, like this thing is set up for Trey Lance to succeed, but it's also set up potentially, Kyle, for, for maybe Trey Lance to, to not have to – uh, not have to have as much on his plate initially and work his way through the course of this year into in, into really being the, the guy by the end of the year, as you've mentioned, that that can be special in the years to come. The weapons are there. Like, can he put the ball on them? I think that's the big question. Can he consistently put the ball on these receivers? Because once Samuel's back in the mix, they're going to have a legitimate, as we just talked about, a legitimate like really good, possibly multiple pro bowler level of weapons around him, it's can Lance put the ball on his receivers and can the offensive line keep him upright? Those are the two All questions. Right, two, two hours down, 888-957-9570. We got two hours to come. John Dickinson and Kyle Madsen. Let's get into Jimmy Garoppolo coming back. He's still a 49er, still hanging out in the weight room, still going through that throwing program. Uh, Kyle Shanahan was gassing him up yesterday. And uh, we'll get into why maybe the 49ers are continuing to hang on to Jimmy Garoppolo Hmm. at this stage. Uh, It's coming up next. J.D. and Kyle, 95.7 The Game. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Hey, 